Welcome to episode 91 of Milwaukee's Tailgate Baseball Podcast, your weekly Milwaukee Brewers podcast. I'm Steve Garshinsky. Joining me today are Ryan Topp, as always, and sitting in JP's spot. Well, I mean, he's Should not we... in JP's spot because JP's spot is in South Bend, Indiana. Right, and I don't break into people's apartments randomly to record podcasts. So, <laughs> But um, you could. And Okay, so we have Paul Noonan here sitting in for JP. <laughs> Paul, how are you doing? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, it's great to have you here. Obviously, we've had you on a number of times. Yeah, this is this how many is or sixth or something. Five or six, yeah. yeah. You're like the fifth Beatle to our... I'm Pete Best. There you go. <laughs> the Pete Best. No, you know, you could have said you were Eric Clapton. Well, I guess I could Because Clapton sat in on what? Yeah. A number guitar- of things yeah. on the but White Album. He was never officially part of the band like Pete Best was, and Pete Best was a better drummer than Ringo, so I got that going <laughs> for me. Yeah, but he couldn't sing like Ringo, so, you know. And he <laughs> does can. And he doesn't have an all-star band. <laughs> That's really a shame. I bet Pete Best's all-star band would do really well. <laughs> it would be hey, interesting. Ringo was like, at the last would waltz, eat that up, right? So... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or the, or the or the folks who are well into their seventies now, they'd be like, "These are the Beatles songs I remember." <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, Paul, you write all over the place. You write Packers, you write Brewers. You, anything else? No, just those two. Uh, okay. you could ask me for a basketball opinion, but it'll be wrong, and I'll just ask Andy Schaff, and that'll be why I get it right. <laughs> but um, yeah, I write for the Shepherd Express um, during the football season about the Packers. Um, I do an occasional baseball post for them. I sometimes write for Baseball Prospectus, um, and I write for Acme Packing Company, the SB Nation Packer site. So all over the place, obviously, yes. and it's always great stuff to, to look for. I know I always enjoy when you write something that supports an opinion I have and it contradicts Ryan. <laughs> well, yeah, and trust me, that gets brought up. I'm, I'm like happy to be of service on that. <laughs> Every time you do that, and it happens enough that I, I constantly am sending Ryan your, your articles just to show him. I'm like, see? <laughs> I'm like, you're an idiot. I'm right because Paul supports what I, I think about the team. And he has numbers to back it up. Not just like my gut. Well, whenever that happens, there's probably like a 50% chance that I saw something Ryan said and decided I wanted to look into it. So, <laughs> Thanks, Paul. Sure, no problem. Ryan, you're supplying topics to everybody on the internet with your uh, bad takes. So, um, Hey, you can help fans find the podcast by rating and reviewing Milwaukee's Tailgate on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and uh, anywhere else you can find podcasts. Uh, we want listener questions, so follow Milwaukee's Tailgate on Twitter at MKE Tailgate. Email questions to milwaukees.tailgate at gmail.com or follow our Facebook page, which has gotten a little bit more active lately. Yeah, I saw that. So um, even though Facebook is garbage, <laughs> you can still follow the page and send us questions and stuff like that, and it's great. Yeah, if you follow this podcast on Facebook, you will provide no useful information at all to any political candidates in the future because it's just about baseball. So <laughs> go exactly. for it. It's a safe space. <laughs> and usually I'll try to respond pretty quick to acknowledge, like, no, we, we actually do, you know, check out the site occasionally. So you can follow everybody on Twitter, and that's in our Milwaukee Steelgate Twitter bio. And, Paul, what's your handle? I am Badger Noonan on Twitter. Badger Noonan. Yes. Follow that. It's a good follow. Uh, and then finally, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can visit patreon.com slash tailgate. Our ball and glove level patrons and above all receive the monthly minor league extra podcast. Milwaukee Steelgate is sponsored by Carbon 4 Brewing and their English shell malt bombs and perfectly balanced hop grenades. You know them for the great beers like Dragon Flute, Block Party, and their flagship Fantasy Factory IPA. Some of the current uh, spring and summer seasonals that are available include Tokyo Sauna, Fruit Punch Fantasy Factory IPA, Raticats New England style IPA, and you can start looking for cans of America AF Watermelon Kolsch, which, Ryan, we've had that one before. I have, yeah. And you can sit and drink that one for quite a while. Well, yeah, it's like 4% alcohol, so yeah. yes. 
It's a summer sipping outside It is, yeah. They don't have a lot of session beers there, but that one is their one session beer. I think you can sit and drink when it's uh, real hot out. Have you had that one, Paul? Uh, I have not had that one. I I will give that a try. Actually, watermelon beers are underrated. There's a few good ones out there. Um, So I'm going to give that a shot. And um, sessionable in Wisconsin is always a good idea. So. Well, especially when you're sitting on blacktop in the middle of the summer. Yes. Like, you don't want something that you're like, oh, wow, this tastes like bourbon. That gets to be a little much. I know some people, Ryan, you enjoy it. I, I enjoy the, the bourbon barrel. Well, you're sitting there, Stouts. sun's out, you don't have like a, a tent or an umbrella over you, and you're just like baking. Yes. Trying to play bags. It, it gets a bit much. You're not good at bags to begin with. Hey, I'm fine. When you're, when you're drunk and hot, it makes it even worse, right? <laughs> yes. Or what were your other uh, tailgate games? <laughs> we, I was on the last time this happened. Yes, you were. This is, this is called, the, call, this is the, called the callback. callback. <laughs> I believe Hillbilly Horseshoes was the other one. There was another name for it. Several. Testicle I, Toss? That's yeah. the one, yes. Don, Donkey Balls and Testicle Toss, I think, are the other names for it. Yeah, and, and I couldn't come up with it, or I couldn't say that. Oh, that's I right. I called it Ball Toss because I was on the Jumbotron to, to, at Miller To recap Park. everybody, yeah. Ryan was on the Jumbotron getting quizzed at Miller Park and said some of those words out loud to 40,000 people. So. so I did not say testicle toss because I knew that that would, that would come be a back bad to idea. haunt me. Yeah. yeah, so... And it was prompted by Travis Shaw, wasn't it? Didn't, wasn't he trying to supply No, with Travis Shaw was yelling something from the dugout. I can't remember exactly what it was now, but he yelled... No, he was the one who yelled um, beer pong. Ah, uh, got it. He was the one yelling beer pong, which Wouldn't is why it be I said great? that. That's the moment when players can heckle fans. That's their like <laughs> opportunity. They well, get heckled all the time, but that's their chance. Well, you are standing on top of the dugout, so like you're right there. I don't know if it still works that way this year. They have a new host at Miller Park now, so it's not quite the same setup as it used to be. But yeah, like I think they go in other places now. But it used to be right on top of the dugout, so yeah, the players are literally yelling stuff at you. Yeah. That's a good way to do it. So, hey, this is a Carbon 4 ad, so we should probably get back into it. So don't forget, you can get 20% off of merch in the Carbon 4 web store with the promo code MKETailgate. As always, check out Carbon4.com for more information. Carbon 4, beer, brilliance. We had some excitement this week. Everybody was in a tizzy because Keston Hura finally got the call. Finally? I mean... (laughs) Everybody was... Okay, there were a lot of people that wanted to see Hura make the team out of spring training. I mean, we knew that every team has this guy where it's a we think about whether they're being held back just for salary reasons in the future. And he was ours. So um, there were a lot of people who were like, he's ready to go right now. Call him up to start the season. He can already hit. And a lot of people who were like, well, I don't was anybody like he needs more time in the minors. There was some. Yes, there were people doing that. Okay. no, there were people doing that because of the fact that he wasn't great with the bat at double A late last year. Like it wasn't knock you over numbers like you put up in AAA to start this year. And actually, didn't he just cut his strikeout rate over the last like month and a half pretty pretty substantially in the minors, if memory serves? I could in this, no, his strikeout rate was actually up. What was oh, happening okay. was the power was way up. Power is up, that's okay. The power's up, and so were the strikeouts, and that was kind of the thing. The issue I think I had, we assumed, before the Mike Moustakas signing happened, our talk all January, February was... Well, Keston Hira is the second baseman of this team. He's just going to open the year in in AAA. And then once you get past that date where you can get the the seventh year of control, he'll be up pretty quickly. And then the Moustakas signing changed all that. Like, that was what changed the outlook for that whole situation because now you had legit everyday 
players at all your infield spots, even though one of them was going to be playing out of position, that didn't leave room for Keston Hira to come up. And you weren't you weren't going to call Keston Hira up to get eight plate appearances a week. That was never going to happen. Yep. So until something happened where either a player got hurt or a player was ineffective to the level that Travis Shaw was, Hira just wasn't – you weren't going to bring him up to sit. So he was going to need basically a chance to play every day if you were going to call him up. And that's what happened here was, you know, they basically pulled the plug on Travis Shaw and said, yeah, he finally got his chance. Shaw has been placed on the 10 day IL with a wrist issue, which he was going through the motions, at least of saying it was real. I I saw the interview he gave after the game on Monday. Yeah. He did not look happy about that. He looked looked shell shocked. Didn't he? Like, I don't know if that was, his confidence, I think, is is in a bad place right now. Yeah, he's I said things. I don't think we should discount the that the wrist injury actually being something either. Um, just because it is it is frankly debilitating for hitters, and you can still play with it, but it saps your power completely. We've seen a ton of Brewer. We saw Ricky Weeks have it happen for like a year and a half where he lost all his power, and so it could very well be legitimate, and he may benefit from time and actually still be able to come back. But um, if you if you listen to JP's uh, midweek podcast, which is all about Keston Hira, you raised a good point that um, there's not really a spot for him to come back to when he when he's healthy. Like, Shaw. Shaw, there's not a spot Shaw. for Shaw. There's yeah. no place for Shaw to come back to. Um, it, it is a tough spot, um, and we'll kind of get into Hira's performance here in a minute. But you know, Shaw, yeah, when you have a player whose his profile is based around power and patience, and when you lose power. It, right. Yeah. What are you What are you going to do with that kind of player? Um, he's it, also he's always had worrying platoon splits too. Like Shaw's been able to hold his own against lefties, but it, you know a little bat speed is going to cost him a ton against same side pitching, and you know wrist injuries do that really quickly. So you know he if he does come back, there's a decent chance he'll be half a player. I mean he's strong side of the platoon, but still it's also worrisome. I mean at least by going on the ten day DL, he's still drawing a major league salary as opposed to just a straight up demotion. Yeah, I mean, there is that. It is, and you do have to hold on. It the is a thing. thing about fake injuries. It, yeah. You have to have some sort of medical basis. A doctor has to sign off that this is a legitimate thing for you to go on the DL. Now that it can be pretty loose, but there has to be some sort of at least pretense. I mean, with pitchers, it's always pitchers can just dead arm. Everybody has dead <laughs> arm or shoulder fatigue yep. or you know whatever. You can basically. Any pitcher is going to have that. But position players, there has to be at least the hint of something real. You can't just make something up out of whole cloth and say, hey, this guy's going on the DL. And I know Shaw didn't go down to the minors right away. He's still with the team, or at least was through the Philadelphia series. I don't know. I haven't seen him in the dugout during the Atlanta series, but that doesn't mean he's not there. So, Yeah. Um, I th- yeah, I think he had been hanging around. I mean, as long as he's on the 10-day DL until he starts his rehab, he, you know. He doesn't need to like be in the minors. No. And maybe he just really needs a mental reset. And that's because he was talking about being lost. I mean, the, the words coming out of his mouth were not great in terms of the inspiring confidence. Well, and, and Paul, I mean, when you lose a bat like you were expecting, like Shaw, the performance you were expecting from him, I mean, we, we've, we've kind of seen what that's done to the lineup. Yeah. Uh, and um, it, it's, it's kind of, it's really unfortunate because this lineup should have been much much stronger than last year's lineup just because you know Arcia was the one really weak link and he's really hit really well this year for him um but Shaw was just that easy out and he made navigating that part of the lineup much easier than it should have been um 
even more unfortunate because Miller Park just plays super easy and super well for left-handed hitters. That's why they have so many of them. Um, and it really undid a lot of work that they did. So um, it, it, getting any kind of average bat in there helps just a ton with all the power around it. Uh, everybody else is rally back. Aguiar's rally back from a slow start. And Shaw's just the one real sticking point. So if you're a, like, the bar's low for him. He doesn't have to produce that well to be an upgrade over what they had. Um, actually, the bar's low for him across the board. He has to play better defense at second base than Mike Moustakis, and he has to hit better than Travis Shaw. That's like, he has to hit 200 and have four feet of range other than what Moustakis had. Well, and, and we have to give Hira credit. He turned a double play already where it took Moustakis a while to be able to kind of navigate yeah. around the keystone there. And, and not and to rip Mike Moustakis, who's been a really good sport about the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. I, you know, Moustakis signed and said he would take on playing second base, which is not a position he had played before. Yep. Well, and it's something he wanted to do also because it increases his marketability for his coming free agency in the offseason. If he can at least somewhat credibly play second base and show that he can take a glove and go there, yeah. that does increase teams' willingness to sign him because they know they have multiple places he can play. Yep, he's been great. Um, the other good part about having Hiera up is that they are, even though it, it's strategic, um, they are a very lefty lineup. And he actually provides a another right-handed bat, which is really valuable when Braun is struggling, especially, because they are hopeless against um right-handed pitching or not right you know whatever left-handed <laughs> Left pitching, yeah, pitching yeah, yeah. when he's not there and well especially with Aguilar getting off to a slow start yes it really did leave them sort of struggling against lefties and that's why you saw the Cubs set up their rotation such that when the Brewers were playing them yep. they they ran three lefties out there and we talked about a little bit I don't think on the air but off the air we talked a little bit about the idea of would Hira make a good call up just for that Cubs series, just to give them that right-handed bat who's shown pop in the minor leagues, would that be a valuable thing for them to, to do for that series? And it turns out they waited just you know, after it, just after it, which, and I don't know that we've, we've really addressed this yet. He is basically sitting on the line of, of being a super two. Uh, best I can tell, there's like a 60-40 chance he will get super two status. Are we going to care about this? An extra... It means an extra year of arbitration, so it's good for him if he gets that because it means an not, extra potentially $10 million. Not plus. my money. Right. I'm just saying not it's my good money. for him. I don't care. They have him for the extra year. That's all I care about because it's mm, not yeah. my money. I don't but care what team, it costs. But the team, the there was a whole bunch of players called up this week. You saw a ton of top prospects. Yep, the Brewers are did. playing one in Austin Riley. Uh, a number Who of them. ended up taking, who do you get the home run off of? He hit the home run off of Claudio. Burns. No, no Claudio. Claudio. It was Claudio. Of Claudio. course it was Claudio. Uh, that, that's right. Well, I don't know. Between Claudio and Burns. <laughs> yeah, well. Fair enough, yeah. We'll, we'll get into that in a minute, the though. Volume of home runs versus platoons of home runs. Yeah, so, okay. Well, here I got called up against the Phillies, and he had a nice little game. Uh, first time out, he went two for four. Two for, yeah, two for four, and he had two a walk three in there, too. Two for three for the walk. Two for, for, three, for, three, for, a, two for three and a walk. Yep. And then he went over the next day, and then he had another couple of hits. Golden, I believe he took the the sombrero the next day, which was a little concerning. Yeah, he was over five, and he had like four strikeouts. Yeah. Um, then he had another couple of hits the next day. He hasn't hit for a lot of power yet. He's currently hitting. He uh, hasn't hit for any power yet. He has all singles so yes. far. He's hitting two hundred, three hundred four, two hundred. Yeah. So not much power at the moment, um, and it's been rough. We're currently recording on Sunday before the game. Yeah, afternoon before the game, so we don't know exactly what happened in Sunday's game. Um, but 
Is there anything at this moment, Paul, that you've seen from Hira that good signs, bad signs, you know, obviously it's not a lot to take away from. I mean, yeah, it's been like a couple games and I think he's kind of as advertised Uh, and yes, he has all singles, but he hit the ball really, really hard on several occasions, which is his MO. He's, um, you know, he's not a like super duper power guy, um, but his, his, his great bat control, he makes good contact and he hits everything that he hits really hard. Just not always up in the air. That's been a recent addition to his game. And that's what he's shown you, like a little more strikeouts than you would expect, but generally good contact and what he does make contact, it's a line drive. And, you know, his first hit was, I think, a good a good descriptor of what you can expect. Like he shot the box, hit it off of pitchers behind. Yeah, and, who was it? Eikhoff, he uh, almost like destroyed. Yep. Uh, and uh, it, that's the kind of contact you can expect from him. So like good hard contact from a second baseman. Um, and there's no reason to worry or be super excited yet. He's done exactly what I think you'd expect him to do. Well, I was listening through all my minor league podcasts this week, and of course, Hira came up in basically all of them. And the the recurring theme that they talked about with Hira is he seems like a guy who can almost at will trade uh, power for average and average for power, sort of as it you know situation dictates. The phrase "high baseball IQ" comes up a lot with him. He is an extremely <laughs> He's a guy who hang, hung out at the ballparks. Eric Longenhagen was telling the story that he's a guy who just hangs out at random ballparks in Arizona in like February with college games while he was waiting, you know, for the Brewers report date and all that. He would just go and, and sit on like a random like Arizona State game. So he is a baseball nut. And the feeling is he can probably make some of these adjustments and sort of as the the situation dictates and. We don't know if the ball is going to stay juiced as it is right now. That's kind of an open question. But as long as it is, I think it behooves him to hit yeah. for more power because why not? It You're not trading that much. You don't have to trade that much average. And the power is such a bonus yep. to what you the value of the, so the production. That's a, So this is all, I apologize, this is all small sample size nonsense. But that's a good point. And I think... He should do that. However, for the series he's played so far, um, the, the the parks like Atlanta's park is ridiculously giant. Um, he he should not try and hit for more power right now because you can hit a double in that park just by making hard contact. Um, and Philly, the Philly park's kind of the same way. So I, I, I'm interested to see him play more in Miller Park, where you know power plays up a huge amount for lefties especially, but for righties too. Um, because I think I think we might see when he gets back here just a little bit of a, a spike in. I think he'll get a couple out. That's my guess. Just because he is making good contact and elevating anything in Miller Park gets you a home run right now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, do we want to talk about Josh Hader next? Sure. Okay. I didn't know if we wanted to talk about because we have Jimmy Nelson. We're going to talk about. Sure. And that could be that's kind of a positive thing coming. Hopefully, or we talk about. Well, we'll, we'll get see. the hater. We'll take our medicine. <laughs> get the hater thing out of the way. Let's sure, talk, let's, let's talk we'll, about him because it's weird. I like talking about weird things. It is a weird thing. Okay, so Saturday night's game, they're playing a tight game again, looking like it's going to go extra innings. Hater comes out for a second inning. Yep, and it was extra innings. So, it was, yeah, it that's was right. It was the tenth. It, it was, was the tenth. So Hater comes out for the tenth up against Freddie Freeman, who you're like, oh well, you know, he's got he's, the platoon advantage. Yeah, and Freddie Freeman isn't uh, Anthony Rizzo, who seems to, you know terrorize well, the guy yeah but he's very good but he is very good and freeman proceeded to you know just jack one off a of hater right so um the weird thing about hater is um he's given up a lot of home runs his all of his contact is hard which is bizarre uh, and lefties have hit him hard which is bizarre and he still misses bats at the same rate 
And so that's doubly weird because if you think about missing bats, like it's not like there's a, a binary, like you either miss a bat or the ball hits the bat directly in the middle. Usually if you're good at missing bats, you're also good at inducing some kind of weak contact because, you know, they barely get a piece of a pitch or something like that. Not with Hader though. It's either he completely misses the bat or he gets destroyed. And if you go back and watch Hader's home runs, which I did do before this, they're all destroyed. They're all there's no cheapies. They're all just massive shots. And he's had a couple where they've died on the warning track. Like so, there <laughs> there are cheapies that are there that are just that, are just, that have just fallen short. Right. It, it could be, it could be worse. But uh, you know, he's given up five home runs so far this season. He gave up nine in all of 2018. So I mean, he's way ahead of the pace that he had last year. But obviously, yeah, and it's honestly, not linear. Nine, nine still seems like kind of a lot <laughs> for a guy that's as good as he is. Yeah. And for a guy that misses bats like he does, it is a lot, and it is it's a weird profile. And you do wonder but when, why. When he gave up nine last year, he was around league average as far as his home run to fly ball rate. He he wasn't out of whack. Currently, he he's giving up thirty one point three percent home runs on fly balls, which is crazy. And normally, it's under fifteen percent. Yeah, but. So that is nuts. Some of it's probably bad luck, but again, there have been some non-cheapies too. But that's the thing. It, it's not bad luck when you see the balls that are hit. Yeah. Like, he's not getting these wall scrapers. They're not the ones that are falling into the, uh, whatever it is, the little the home bucket. run. Yeah, home run bucket that they have out in, in right Wrigley. field. And, well, no, it, I was saying in Miller Park. Oh, in Miller Park, like the picnic area. Yeah. yeah. When he's taken some shots from good hitters, we were talking about this before. Freeman is one of the guys who's hit a home run off of him. Ozuna's hit a couple in the last year. two seasons. Two seasons, yeah. You know, he's getting hit by some decent. Bellinger took him deep. Bellinger took him deep. You so you do have that, but there's also you know just random weirdos from the Marlins hitting home runs off of him, and <laughs> that was know. last season because but the Brewers yes. haven't played the Marlins yet. I'm looking forward to that. By the way, the Cubs seem to get to play the Marlins like nightly. So. The, the Cubs are up like two games in the division, and they've played like all their games against the Marlins. So congratulations, Cubs! <laughs> Enjoy the rest of the season when the baseball begins. Indeed. So, anyways, Hater currently has a 2.95 ERA. His FIPS 3.01. His DRA on baseball prospectus, baseball prospectus is one ninety three. Mm-hmm. So I mean, there isn't anything he's doing that that profile. Well, says. No, you strike out forty four in like less than twenty two innings. You're... He's left a hundred percent of runners on base at the moment. That's bizarre. Well, I mean, when you strike out or give up home yeah. runs, and like last night, you give up the home run to the first batter you see in at right. the top of the he, inning. He's still the like infallible like all of emergency bailout plan, and he still is perfect at that. It's just. Um, you know, he, he has this one problem that's just weird. So um, his his walks per nine, hits per nine are the yep. same as 2018. He's increased his strikeouts per nine, which, again, it's early in the season. So that, yeah. so do you we know, have- falling back wouldn't be crazy. So there's not a lot to what Hater's done so far this year, aside from the home runs that you go like, something's wrong. Do we have theories as to why? He Okay, well, and this was something we were going to talk about. Ryan, you know, you followed him coming up through the minors a little bit more closely. I mean, what was his profile as a starter at the time? And, you know, what were some issues that would have forced him into the bullpen to begin with? Well, so the issue was always going to be if he was going to be able to sustain his velocity deep into games. And there was a lot of skepticism. And I think it it kind of was borne out as he got to the upper minors and was asked to continue to start about being able to get through lineups a second and third time and hold any sort of velocity. 
and that does seem to be a thing. You can see there are games. His velocity comes and goes. It does, and especially that second inning, it often is substantially lower than it is the first. So. And it does seem to be, yeah, it does seem to be that second inning that can cause more problems for him, even though, honestly, he, he it still is, he's in his second inning, he's still better than any other reliever in their bullpen, a, a, even at yeah. that point. Yeah, he is. Um and that does actually hold up to the the he, he is perfect with guys on base. Comes in in his first inning with guys on base is untouchable, and then that second inning is the one where you know solo home runs happen. <laughs> um, he also so in 2018 he threw his slider 24 percent of the time. Um, this year he didn't throw one for the first like four games of the season, and now he's up to 10 percent on his slider for the for his pitch breakdown so he's throwing it a little bit more but still not at the rate he was last year probably yeah it's probably getting close though if it because he faced a lot of guys in those first four games he was pitching multiple innings he did he did you know and so i would imagine that that's going to even out it has to even out as the season goes along but hater when when his velocity would dip he'd also get hit hard in the minors he wasn't a guy that would give up a bunch of soft contact correct no that's true though some of that was complicated by him pitching in Colorado Springs at the end there. And <laughs> God knows what the reality is when you're trying to figure out numbers in Colorado Springs. Thank so. goodness they're not in Colorado Springs this year with the juiced ball. Like, it would be <laughs> completely meaningless. Like, you you could literally tell nothing about how guys were playing. What do they have in Colorado Springs? Well, I think this year all they the have, like, rookie be, ball, don't they? They have rookie ball, yeah. It's going to be the Brewers' uh, rookie ball affiliate yeah. that's okay. there. The, Which is, the one from Helena is moving down to... And that's fine. That's what should be in Colorado Springs. Like, well, yeah. I mean, you'd have pitchers curled up in the fetal position <laughs> crying. Like, that... They would just get destroyed. Well, I don't know. Eric Arnett curled up in the fetal position in Helena. So there are guys who are going to struggle there. Some guys just not going to make it. So uh, it's hard to say on Hader just because I don't don't know that it's entirely luck. Um, He works up in the zone. If if he's throwing 93-94 instead of 96-97 and guys know he's going to throw a fastball most of the time, that can lead to hard contact. So um, it's just it's just bizarre that he still misses bats so much, even when he is getting hit hard. It's it's one of the weirdest things ever. Well, I think we have to remember that like there's no perfect pitcher. So I mean, the idea that like he's not infallible, yeah, that's what's going to happen. And guys go, th- especially relief pitchers with the small. He's you not know, Steve Nebraska. <laughs> <laughs> if by the if, way, I believe he batted a thousand with a home run last year, so he kind of was Steve Nebraska last year. <laughs> Um, I wonder because they have that BP event coming up. I wonder if they have a scout who would be like the Albert Brooks avatar that could find a Steven Nebraska <laughs> that would be there. That would be great. Um, looking actually at his numbers, I'm surprised by this. Uh, according to Brooks Baseball, he threw his slider 14% of the time in April, which isn't real far off from where he was at the end of last year. In September, he was 16%. Yeah. October, he was 17%. This month in May, it's actually down to 5%. He's down. Oh, wow. Okay. He's down in May. He's he, throwing his slider even less. He threw his first pitch yesterday was a slider. Um, it was 80, 84 on the inside corner. It, it was weird. So um, I, I kind of assumed after that he was mixing it in, but maybe he didn't. No, I mean, he this month, it, according to Brooks Baseball, 94.5% of the time he's throwing the four seamer right. and 5.4% of the time he's throwing so, the, the slider. I was on Brooks too. Also interesting, his velocity is really not down overall. Um, he was he was sitting around 95 last year, 95 for his career, and he's sitting about 95 this year overall. So um, it, it really does seem to be that just that second inning and guys capitalizing on when his his little tiny velocity decline does come over the course of the game. Well, and he also had, was it in Chicago? 
I think when it was pretty cold and rainy, he came out and he was throwing. He like, was throwing like 94. N- yeah, 92, 92 93. 93. <laughs> I think is where he was sitting. He might have gotten one up to 94. So. Yeah, he might he might get better with, as the weather goes. Uh, yeah, eventually it's going to get warm. He did last year. He started off a little bit cool, and then as it got warmer, he was throwing faster. But it's not a huge difference. His his range last year was between 94.03. And 96.69, so less than two miles an hour. So I guess right. the takeaway from all of this is it's annoying to see, but I don't. there's nothing to really As long worry as he's about. missing just, bats, yeah. I just am not going to worry. I agree. Like, solo homers are, uh, frankly, more pitchers should give up solo homers. Like, um, this is a big, like, um, Guerra has been great lately. So um, not to rip on him, but he, he tends to get through three batters super cleanly, kind of like Hader. And then he starts messing around on the edges and walking people, and that's what gets him pulled every time. And he's caused so many hater entrances by doing that, like with multiple run leads. Like, no, just just shoot over the middle and give up a solo home run. Nobody cares if you give up a solo home run. It's the other things that get you in trouble. So, well, he's I'm, got kind of the profile with the splitter too to give up he, the he does, like. You yeah. can get the outs, and then when you make the mistake, you're probably going to be get sitting hammered. there and get hammered. So just own that, accept it, go with it. <laughs> Yeah, there is something to be said for like relief pitchers just like get those outs and you know when it happens occasionally you give up that solar home run. Yep. It's just part of the game. Yeah. So, um, did you want to talk about runners left on base? Because I know yep. that's been the big theme. <laughs> no, no. Let's talk about runners left on base. Because Ryan's this is we agree on this. He's right about this. I I leave I leave our rundown document open for Ryan to write what he wants. Okay. And he he was the one that filled in all of the uh, R I S P the RISP. Yeah. So this is a this I'll let Ryan do. It, but this is a public service inmo- announcement for everybody watching Brewer broad, broadcast about the runners left on base, statistics. which has been extreme in these last few games. So since Monday, uh, they left fifteen on base on Monday, eight on Tuesday. 11 on Wednesday, 12 on Thursday, 7 on Friday, and 10 more on Saturday night. How many games did they win? In that stretch, they're 3-3. Three and three. So. so, like, yeah, let's, let's dial it back a little bit. Uh, so that might encourage people to say, oh, they're just not cashing in their opportunities. They must have problems hitting with runners in scoring position, right? That's the, the general idea. Yes. Well, the Brewers are hitting overall 248, 334, 433 for the season. So, you know, pretty decent. With runners in scoring position, they are hitting 281, 386, 512. So they are actually destroying the ball with runners in scoring position on the season as a whole. They're hitting much better than they are overall. They're hitting insanely better than they are with uh, no runners on base. And runners on, they're, they're substantially better than their, their overall average. So... The point is, is that this means nothing like it. It it just means the leaving runners on base is a product of you're not getting your hits timed exactly right. Like you're you're getting guys on base and then a pitcher will make a pitch. A guy will miss a fat one. It's it's just a thing that happens in baseball. Sometimes teams go through cycles like this. Yeah, it's just normal. Getting leaving guys on base means you have guys on base, which is good. Um, not getting them in is usually a result of cluster luck, which is just random badness of your hits not you know, going at the ideal time. But I think what really sticks out with people watching Brewer games is like they're not good at small ball, um, and that's their team makeup. Like If they have a guy on third with one out, people complain about them not getting him in, and that is true. Sometimes they don't get that guy in, but that's because they hit a ton of home runs and strike out a bunch. And if you strike out with a guy on third, then you might not get him in. But you also sometimes hit a three-run homer, and... 
people don't seem to remember that as much as when you strand the guy. Like, Braun had a miserable at-bat last night with the guy on third and one out. Just, like, swung it, like, swung a ton of times at no strikes and a bunch of balls that were buried in the dirt. That, that That's unfortunate. It's infuriating when you're watching it. Later on, he'll hit a three-run homer, and that's the trade-off. So, And then all the, the Ryan Braun forever hashtagging. Yes, and Ryan Braun professional hitter and all that jazz. Yeah. So, yeah, well, and it, it, it's annoying when against the Phillies, they loaded the bases a couple times. Yep. I think they had the bases loaded twice in that series, at least, and they came away with, like, a run. Yeah, I mean, they had the one. They had the one ser- unfortunate series where like Mustakis hit into a double play, yep. and so then they weren't able to drive that anybody. happens. And also, the Brewers aren't special. Like strikeouts have gone up every year for a decade or more, and every team in baseball now has trouble scoring runs the small ball way with bases loaded in less than two outs. Most teams in baseball are going to guys going to have guys strike out in those situations a lot. That's just how baseball is now. So, yeah, it's infuriating if you've watched baseball for twenty five years. It looks ugly, but it is also how every team is. So, Right, and that's the big point here is that you can't separate what they are doing from what the rest of the league is doing because nope. that's the, the overall trend. You have, like Paul's saying, you have a massive spike in strikeouts since 2009, really. We've set a record just about every single year. Yep, it's gone up and gone up and gone up. And that's, yeah, that is just what baseball is. So, I got nothing else. Anyway, getting guys on base is good. Um, leaving guys on base isn't good, but it's a sign that you're doing good things. So um, it'll it'll break it open. Eventually, yeah. somebody will hit a grand slam, and we'll all be thrilled by it. Yep. So, uh, and and they're not like not scoring runs. Aren't most of Braun's home runs three run homers? I feel like he, I feel like he's done that a lot this year. too. Yeah, I'll, I'll look later. I should have done that before. You know, when you're a superstar like that, you wait for your moments. <laughs> I can choose. That's how that works. So, okay. So we do have some good news. Jimmy Nelson is nearing the end of his rehab. Um, in his last outing, he went five and two thirds. He gave up three singles and struck out eight. Only walked one. Fastball sitting at ninety two, ninety three, um, and he threw eighty six pitches. So it's a little low for him that that velocity. And we'll see how that comes back. Considering all he's gone through, it's at not, this moment. I'm not going to complain about ninety two, ninety three. No, 92-93 is fine, and it we'll see what it's like after a month of pitching in the big leagues, hopefully, with any luck. But you look at his overall numbers in AAA so far, 14 and one-third innings, 16 strikeouts, six walks. He's allowed 10 hits, given up a couple homers. And it is nice that he's getting to pitch with the juiced ball in AAA right it now. It is. So you're seeing sort of a, a realistic... Yep. Yeah, version of what that's going to look like in the big leagues yeah it's it's good triple a did that um i've seen a lot of people complain about it that's wrong it's like triple a should use all the same stuff that major league baseball does that's when you want to be able to tell what people are going to do <laughs> right so. that's where it's most important where it's less about development and yeah. it's more about trying to extrapolate what that might look like in the big leagues yeah and so nelson's numbers aren't lying to you like that's that's what it's going to look like if you came up right now and it everything that that was just said was encouraging like yeah he's sitting a little low velocity wise but he's getting he's pitching deep into outings he's not getting destroyed it looks like all of his stuff is working reasonably well so he's not having huge walk issues no, like that's even better like that's one of the last things to come back especially after he had shoulder problems right a lot of shoulder shoulder issues. injuries like really rob pitchers of their their i don't know how to pronounce this word i believe it's proprioception um it's the ability to use 
um, small muscle control precisely. It, it affects a lot of athletes in a lot of different sports, but like it's your command and control basically. And getting that back is the hardest part. So once that's back, it means he's close to being back. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what happens when he finally gets a call. He can still make one more start. I think in triple a, I believe he still technically can make two. He has some time. So (laughs) it'll be interesting to see. He was at 86 pitches. I would assume like they're probably around what they're going to cap him at. at That's the probably the cap, I would imagine. They're not going to push him past like 90 pitches in any of these appearances. Yeah. So then the question becomes, what do you do with him? I mean, they're stretching him out to start. So I think he's going to start. But well, then... there was never a question about that, though. Mm, I mean, people have there's... questioned it and have wondered if it would be better to let him. There's be... probably always a little bit of a question with the Brewers at this point. But yeah, I mean, he's he's a starter. And uh, w- with a guy like Jamie Nelson, it's probably harder to tell him to go to the bullpen than a guy who hasn't started for a few years in the league already. So, um, but that's what he's that's that's his role. So unless something goes disastrously wrong, he'll start. Okay, so we have uh, Chassin. Yep, we have Davies. We have Geo, we have Brandon Woodruff. They're all solid. Yes. Like we are not expecting those guys for any reason to get moved out of the bullpen. Let's well uh, or out of the rotation. Yeah, how? For now, yes. Well, let's, yeah, let's, let's, let's that can all change. Let's re-examine Chassin in like a couple months here. Yeah, potentially, yeah. Yeah. Are we? Well, I'm not. It's, too it's early. About Chassin like I said, yet. I think the the thing that they like about Chassin was a slow starter last he year. Was, so he was. There's that's why, nothing that's why, right now. Like yeah. he'll, he'll probably be fine. That's what the I, thing I, they like about Chassin too is he will eat some innings. He'll eat innings. Like even in his worst case, he's still good at that. So well, yeah. let's be honest. Chassin was more of like, hey, if he has a four twenty five ERA last season, yep. coming into the year, we would have been like, yeah, this that's is good. what they signed. So if he kind of settles in at that spot, I don't think. Anybody in the organization or anybody here is going to be like extremely disappointed with his performance. I doubt that's the case. I just you want to keep the the Travis Shaw example in the back of your head, where he has not been good so far, and they do not have long leashes for people in the organization. So. Well, and and I guess the other the other thing they do have with uh, Chassin is they don't have a long term commitment to him. He signed through this season. Uh, no. And they don't even have an option on him. Yeah. So, so, I mean, if they, for some reason, feel like, you know, yeah. we want to cut bait with you and but just But for now, it's on. too early for that. So, yes, you're right. Those four pitchers are rock solid. Okay. So, I guess, uh, what is that fifth spot right now? It's kind of Peralta, Anderson. What's well, Anderson? But Peralta's still around. Yeah, I don't know exactly <laughs> what. Yeah, that's a good question. I'm not exactly sure where he stands at the moment. Probably back to triple a to continue you think peralta goes back to triple a i think he does i don't i think they put him in the bullpen does he we've talked about this a lot on here his profile is weird for a reliever because his profile is weird for anybody for anybody but especially because he can have issues getting started in in appearances hold on we keep talking about that but when he's come into a game later he hasn't had issues getting started okay that's fair i mean yeah when he has the opener he's done really well part of that's platoon split related um, but again, if you're in the bullpen, you can he like as a rookie, that guy's great. And as a like long term like pitcher, if you got a bunch of righties up, um, like that's perfect for him. I think he ends up in the bullpen. He 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 doesn't have a good starter profile. He throws one pitch. And he's not a, a big guy. No, he's not. He throws a poorly located fastball, and he's effective because no one knows where it's going, including him. And so like he he actually is okay at throwing strikes with it. He has a good bullpen profile. He should go in the bullpen. He, I'm done with Freddie as a starter. Like. I mean, it's going to be interesting looking at if Nelson goes into the rotation and he's solid. 
Like, let's not expect anything crazy. Let's just yeah. say he can get through five innings and he's giving up, you know, kind of a four, you know, ERA. Okay, that's fair. Let's just say he can kind of do that to, as he gets back and gets back into shape. They're going to have maybe Peralta in the bullpen. You're going to have Chase Anderson in the bullpen. You're going to have Junior Guerra in the bullpen. That's a lot of guys with starting experience and can throw multiple innings. Sure, that's good. Um, I think Chase is not long for the team. That's my guess. You think this year? Yeah, I think this year. Hmm. I yeah. I I don't think they like him. Um. He he wasn't he a bit of a baby about the end of last year. I don't. Isn't, isn't that the word on the street? I mean, he well, wasn't to get completely happy about it. I mean, to get completely left off the playoff roster like that, and then once they had an opening on the playoff roster, they went with Davies. Yep. Not Chase. And you know, Chase had a really good. Like he's put in some good time for him, but they're obviously not enamored with him. And he's the fifth starter right now. I think he's the obvious guy out. He's not a great bullpen. Candidate. He's another home run guy. He's a home run guy. <laughs> like yeah, and that's not ideal. But hold on, given how you, many you have besides him. But it, like okay, let's say Anderson goes back to the bullpen. He's saw, he's kind of like Junior Guerra ish there. Does anybody think that'll happen? I wouldn't be surprised if he was, you know, kind of Gara's production out of the bullpen. All right. I might be higher on Gara than a lot of people. I Okay. My, my <laughs> point here about Gara is let's say they're basically the same guy. Yep. Chase Anderson's younger. Chase Anderson is younger. And okay. He's not I, expensive in the next three seasons because well, they have team options. No, and I think that the other thing with Anderson is he gives you that insurance he gives you a sort of we know he's okay. going to be a competent big league pitcher and here's the other thing when they've had an open rotation spot anderson's gone back in not junior Guerra. i think okay true um i think Guerra's is good in the bullpen and i, no, think I totally what, agree but i'm saying if like, they're both equally effective in the bullpen oh it, that's if they're if they are sure but Guerra has actually shown that to be the case and anderson hasn't and so we can uh, i mean their bullpen has problems. It, you know, after they had lost Knievel and didn't have Jeffers for a while, they needed somebody to actually eat up some innings in the but bullpen. But they have a really weird <laughs> bullpen going forward. Okay, because aside from Burns is deciding to... God knows what's going on with him. You know what? Okay, listen to this. <laughs> if he's going to give up home runs, I'd rather have him do it all in a game and then turn into a lights-out pitcher for a while before turning into a gas can again. Hey, if he's gonna if he's going to blow you a game blow it and yeah, then be go good big. for like two weeks and then blow another game that yeah yeah go well in that game they were already losing that game it wasn't like he came in with a lead and then decided to give away like six runs yeah, they were down like three or four I had it, actually was, written it was no pressure destruction which is the worst kind i had actually written a tweet where i was gonna say that hey craig this is a really good idea to use burns in this situation because you are setting up the Braves bullpen to implode, which the Braves bullpen has done again and again and again. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, he just gave it, up a hit. Oh, no, no. Oh, this is bad. Yep. And it was like, oh, so actually he was the bad one in this situation. <laughs> but they were already down, so that doesn't hurt his like, win probability, does it? I mean, barely. I mean, it, it, a little tiny bit, but not not really, no. I'm just saying, like, so, considering how bad it was, it wasn't disastrous so for I, I, all the... Uh, advanced yeah. stats and everything like that so my read on anderson is like he, he is a starter they i don't think they think much of him and i think he's the fifth starter because he's a guy who can be the fifth starter like they keep running peralta out there to try and get him to be that guy like this i think this is all an indictment of, of anderson like they they don't want him there <laughs> they keep trying things that aren't him and he keeps getting his way back in because everybody else keeps failing burns keeps giving up zillions of home runs freddie peralta keeps getting destroyed and so that's that's who it is, and 
Um, I think as soon as they have a chance to move on from him, they will. That's I could be wrong, but that's my read on him. I would be surprised if it's within this season, though, just I, because he's a competent big league pitcher. He is. That's why I think they'll probably move him, because he is a competent big league pitcher that they don't like. And I It think, would be interesting to see what they could get for him if they just moved him, because think, everybody's looking for pitching. It is true. I mean, yeah. So that my I, like this will. I guess this will be a little bit out there, but I think they'll trade him at the deadline or before. Well, that would be a, a very interesting uh, counter building move because they have what three options on him? It was like a five year contract. Two were guaranteed, and then like it was two options. It was a two year contract with two options, I believe. So, whatever. Yeah. The whatever. Point is, anyway, whoever acquires him can keep him for a reasonable so price. So we started with like Jimmy him. Nelson. So I think when Jimmy Nelson comes up, I think Anderson's gone. And Peralta brought this to the bullpen, maybe to the minors. Who cares? You can do See, whatever I dis- you want with him. I disagree. Even though they've shown that they're willing to like cut bait on guys, even if they have options on others. Like last year, we were like, oh, if somebody has an option, they're going down, and they keep. Yep. They like to keep their options open as long as possible. (laughs) This year, they're being a little more cutthroat about it. I still think that Peralta's not going to show enough that they can say, let's just get rid of Anderson right now. Yeah, I I doubt it. I think they would send, before completely casting Anderson out, my guess is Peralta would go to the minors because they can do that to just keep the depth. Okay, so we do have a couple of Corbin Burns questions since we brought him up earlier. Uh, we have one from Jason Donlinger. He asks, is Burns tipping his fastball, or is he just getting way too much of the plate? And the answer is yes. I, well, I lean more towards the he's getting way too much of the plate. Yeah. You look at his scattered plots, and it's he is getting hit by balls that are in the, the middle of the plate and – you know, there yeah. are some of them I that I see, and I'm like, man, I think I could take a hack at that. Yep, I don't think his command's very good. Um, I, I wonder a little bit behind the scenes. So he's got this ridiculous spin rate. Um, they they teach guys with that spin rate to work up in the zone, and I think with him, that might not be the best idea because he misses up in the zone. Um, and when you miss up in the zone with what he has, which is pretty straight, it gets destroyed. Well, and that's kind of the issue with Hater too. It is, is kind of the issue with Hater because Hater pitches up in the zone, and it generally gets people to swing yeah. and miss. But when they don't, they hammer it. Yeah. And if you got Hater stuff, that's actually that's fine. Um, if you have Corbin Burns stuff, and you're also missing and putting guys on base, it's a much bigger problem. <laughs> well, Burns has really good stuff. The well, question yeah, is, but if you don't know where it's going, it's it's not well, that good. Well, but he doesn't. He doesn't not know where it's going. He just isn't locating it in the zone where he can get guys out. That's the issue because he's like not, not knowing where it's going. Coordinate number of batters. Not knowing where it's going is Freddie Peralta. That's okay. Fair enough. Um, he, he like he has literally no idea where any of his pitches are going. Yeah, Peralta um, on any day you could get an ace or you could get a guy who basically just lost you the game. In the but first Burns inning. is missing enough when on his spots that mm-hmm. he he is in the zone way too much. So. I don't think he's tipping his pitches. I don't think that has anything to do with it. He's kind of the opposite of Zach Davies, who has garbage stuff, but never, ever misses a spot. Like he Burns is the exact opposite. He has great stuff, and everything comes down just a little too much. All so what you're saying is Davies and Burns need to be roommates when they're on the road. Yeah, they should. That'd be great. They should really They should be one person. They should, <laughs> they should meld them out. together yeah. like uh, in <laughs> The Simpsons. We're gonna, can you imagine how good that pitcher would be? If you took Davies' command and gave it to Corbin Burns, yeah, that's a Cy Young That's a Cy Young guy. That's like, that's what, Max Scherzer, basically? Yeah, that's pretty much Max Scherzer. Okay, Uh, we do have a question from Jerry Eldred. He said, if Corbin Burns threw batting practice to Travis Shaw, which one would regain his confidence This is mean. This is mean. It is, and I go with Burns. There's an answer. It is Burns. Um, Because Travis Shaw is missing meatballs, and that's what Burns would throw to him. And since he's missing him, Burns would get him out because he would strike out. So... 
Um, there, it's it's sad. There's an answer, <laughs> but there is. Yeah, that's fine. Right? You don't even <laughs> want to get involved with it. You don't like mean questions like that, do you? I yeah. I it goes against my nature. I mean to other teams. I'm not mean to my teams. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it, it's Shaw's problem, and he, like he, I'm sure he's well aware he has to fix it. It's a confidence issue. It's a wrist issue. It's probably something else, but. I mean, that's the problem. Like, he, he's not hitting guys who are throwing like burns. It's bad. Fix it. Yeah. Uh, we have a Patreon question from Michael Heitkamp. Uh, he says, Orlando has uh, hit almost as well as he did in 2017. Are there noticeable differences between what he's doing mechanically or approach-wise that are indicators for sustainability or even improvement? I mean, JP had, would have opinions on this. That would be kind of... I have an opinion yeah. on this. Okay. I, um, so the answer is yes. And... Um, if you watch a lot of Arcia, you can really pick it up, which is he will lapse back into his bad habits once in a while. And you can see both the bad habit, which is he decides before the pitch what he's going to do, or like very early on trying to hit a home run, especially when he gets up in the count. Um, and you can tell when he gets a fix in the dugout, like he gets reminded, like, don't do that. If it's bad, don't swing. Like, don't commit to what your approach is before. And also don't try and hit 20 home runs. He may be able to hit 20 home runs, but it's not a good idea to go and try and do it. So um, when he's at his best, he's selective. And you see that in his walks, which he's had more of lately. And when he waits for things to, to come into the zone and take a good hack, he's good. And I think it just takes a little bit of like gentle reminding from the dugout to do it. And like when he's on, his approach is noticeably better. He, he lets stuff go, especially low, and he takes a good hard swing when it's in the zone and doesn't get frustrated by follow-offs or misses. So um, last year, I think he was trying to rip everything. He was trying to build off of the previous season. He was swinging at garbage all the time. He was very impatient. He, he's gotten tons better, and I think they've done a good job coaching him up. Yeah, I do feel like some of the balls he's taken the other way don't feel as incidental as they had. Yep. Like before, it seemed like the only thing he could hit was kind of a drive into right field. Mm-hmm. like accidentally, like that's just what happened when he made contact where I think at this point he's hit a couple more balls with like authority where he's shooting it in that direction. Yeah. So, I mean, that's been an improvement. It's still, I look at him swing and I'm like, it's getting it done and he's got the defense to make this work. So I'm not going to like, I don't think he'll be complain. ever be a great hitter. I just think like there's an approach that works there and works well enough to make him above average, and that's what he's doing right now. I mean, the mechanics last year were really off. They were and it was terrible. noticeable. You could see, not even like approach, but just the, the straight-up swing mechanics were bad. And they're better this year, but they're not great. Well, that's what I was going to kind of get into is I'm not sure. I'm not an expert on this. I know JP would have opinions about that. That's the, the disadvantage of him not being here for this question. But <laughs> it is – I've always thought – Looking at his what he did at such a young age, coming up through the minors, he was holding his own as an 18 year old in full season ball in Wisconsin in bad weather, bad environment. There is a hitter in there that's you know average ish. I think you know a big league average ish hitter. Oh, you're and saying overall average, overall not, average, not average for a shortstop, but an average big league hitter. Average big league hitter, yeah. I what think is that, that sort of? That's you know an OPS around 100, OPS plus around. What 100, is OPS sorry. plus around 100 right now? Uh, let's. I think he's, he can hit like 260, 330, 400. That seems like a bit of a split. I would be more. I would think more like 280, 380. I think well, because he's not going to have his okay, he's not going to have his biggest split Give up between some OBP, his yeah all right well yeah and probably more like three thirty but then 
you know, 430, 440, given... Slugging? Holy shit. What are you talking about? I was going to say maybe a 300 on base, and then you can kind of round out your slugging. Well, no, because of the way the ball is flying out of parks, eh. and because of what he's going to likely be when he's 20... Because he's still only 24. When he's What he's likely to be when he's 26, 27 in terms of physicality. You and your aging progression, which it is the, we've talked about, is not like... A thing you can just count on. Also not like I'm not counting on it. I'm saying it's part of the. It's, but he's still also no 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 just no. You start you start saying oh he's he's only 22 now. So in when he's 24 he will be better because he will be older. The general trend would indicate that's what's likely. <laughs> no to no happen. no. These are the assumptions you're making. And again, I'm not this, making an assumption. It's going to happen. I'm saying that's the general trend. At any rate, yeah. yeah. Uh, the general trend isn't as severe as it was. Like 27 used to be peak. Now it's actually much earlier and tends to decline slowly after that and then substantially at 30. Um, at, at any case, his like his approach is is better this year. Like he's definitely responding to coaching, which is really all you can ask from him. Um, it, like even if his mechanics aren't aren't super great, he is much more patient and like he, he really seems to be able to identify the low out of the zone pitch better than he did before. So he's still going to have his ugly at bats where he gets like where he decides he's going to go win it himself. But I mean, he's been a pleasant surprise so far this year in how good he has been offensively at the back of the lineup. He's had a bit of a run defensively with making some mistakes this week. He's had a few errors. He's always going to do have those, those errors people pick up on easily. Those, you know, I kicked it, whatever. But like he gets to so much, like those are the those don't even matter. Like he's <laughs> he's great, so don't let errors fool you. Well, and I, you know, as we talked about coming into the season, if he was what above six fifty with his OPS, I mean, he was probably going to be he was going to be playable with his defense, and that's oh, basically yeah. what he's, he's been. Well, no, he's seven hundred. Seven hundred. Yes, yeah, he's seven hundred right now. But I'm just saying he's set a bar where he's you know seven hundred yeah. OPS right now. That's more than enough for the kind of defensive player he is to make it worthwhile. Even if he has a run in a couple of days where you kind of go, oh, he you know kicked a couple of balls or did something yeah. dumb. Mm-hmm. It happens. And I, I would project him to get better on offense. I do, I do think he, like he does respond to coaching, and it's worked for him so far. And as long as that keeps building on itself, I, I think he'll continue to get a little bit better. So, well, guys, he hit two seventy seven, three twenty four, four hundred seven as a twenty two year old. So sure. that tends to yeah. be a thing that indicates future success with a bat. Okay, so uh, we do have another Patreon question from Darren Jones. He asks if you could add one former Brewers player in their prime to this current <laughs> roster, who would you choose? This is easy. It's got to be Sabathia, right? No. Oh. Well, I guess, but that was such a short stint. I'd take 2004 Ben Sheets. Yeah, that, if you, if you, you consider that, that his starter, prime, sure. Wait, is any Brewer player? Any Brewer player. Ever? In or would prime? You t- yes, ever Well, you should prime. take one of the guys who's in the Hall of Fame. No, uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Go for it. <laughs> like, you should take Yount and play him at shortstop. Uh, yes, that would be. The, I still with this team, I would take that pitcher. I feel That's like this team where I'm at. Too. I feel like this team's going to score runs. <laughs> I would take. I would take Ben Sheets, or, who was the best pitcher they've had in two thousand in two thousand four. He had the best full Look, season, I, I think, in Brewer history. That I, Sheets two thousand four season is insane. I love Ben Sheets. I do, but like you the only reason Ben Sheets was get, not the best pitcher in baseball that year was because Randy Johnson existed. Do we just get to plug in that season? Is that it's the, prime? I don't know. But like, okay, are we thinking it, about? We can't term? actually do this. This is not like Interstellar, <laughs> well, so we can't go back correctly. and like <laughs> we can't go through the bookcase and grab him and bring him in here. So let's you know whoever you want. 
I, I mean, if we get to keep him from his prime going forward, I want Yount at shortstop for sure, without question. If we're a single season in, uh, maybe Sheets, but I mean, do I only get half a season of Sabathia? And we're like more than a quarter of the season in. I might actually do that. That's... Now, if you said where, where are they at at the where are they at going into July? Now let's drop Sabathia's two thousand eight into there. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's the that's the dream. Yes. But can you imagine sheets with Grandal's framing? I that yeah, would be insane. That is insane. That would be insane. But Sabathia with Grandal's framing too. Well, yeah. <laughs> like, and Sabathia can hit dingers. Yeah, Sabathia can hit dingers. He can. Ben Sheets cannot even swing a bat. There are look. There are a bunch of great options for this. No, and I, I to Paul's point about Yount. Know, yeah, that's probably the correct ish answer. But the problem is, is that they have the lineup and I was looking more at need. Like, what can you plug in that they need? So you take the best pitcher. You can they don't get. have an ace. It is. It is the okay. thing the team doesn't have. That's true. Now I, we're sitting here arguing. I guess I just, like, no, no, no. You got to take the, you got to take this guy. I, I, I just don't really care about them having an ace. I was actually just thinking if I might take fingers over anybody else just to solidify the back end. That would be crazy if you had uh, fingers added to hater and whatever number of starters they've now put in the bullpen right that so, actually that's not a bad shot like it, that's because that he pitches sense. he's an old school closer who pitches multiple innings and if you pair him up with hater you could basically hater every day so um <laughs> it like that's also a good choice i kind of like that that'd be legit with the way this team's put I mean, together and the way they run it yeah yeah notice nobody said molitor even though they need a third baseman because you know he'd get hurt right away well, yeah, you know, we what? Don't have a if, DH, so. if you want a third baseman, though, uh, what was it? Cirillo in like 97? No, no, no. That's ridiculous. Cirillo had some really great seasons. In and, and you're talking about third baseman who's not talking gonna... about you get any brewer choice ever. Jeff Cirillo is not in the conversation. I mean, if, if you want to take this to the ridiculous extremes, it really should be Hank Aaron, right? Because they had Hank Aaron, okay, but not in his, but not prime. In his prime and never. But he was never well, figures wasn't that his player prime either, as a brewer. Still good. But he was that player is a brave for like ten years, and that that's a different Milwaukee, organization. But it was in Milwaukee. So. It is a different organization. Everybody, it's in Milwaukee. It's a different organization. Or do you take Prince? Like Aguilar's not that good. That is true. Um, if you added a first baseman like that, but I don't know defensively what this team would think. And of. It, it's also you have enough I take between a, Aguilar twenty eleven Ryan Braun. What <laughs> <laughs> the answer is on the team. That's we, correct. We it is a, Ryan Braun. We're going to create a par- <laughs> we're going to create a time paradox <laughs> where it's it's twenty twenty five. Keston Hira. Robin Yount is in the Hall of Fame. He's one of the best players ever. He played shortstop. Their shortstop can't hit. Uh, RC is good, but this is I think an obvious answer. And if you want a pitcher, it should be Sabathia. Is it like I said that 2004 Ben Sheets season? That was a four Ben Sheets as a legit. That was a full season, and I think that would like if we're gonna dip. We into, went to a okay. lot of right, Sabathia right, 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 right. games. Like if we're gonna go 2004 Ben Sheets as an option, um, doesn't Cal Eldred have a better season than that? Mm, no, Cal Eldred in, in '92, I think. No, was, when you look really at strikeout right. rates and stuff like that, Eldred was not like. He didn't have. He had a great season. He didn't have the underlying stats. Okay, like that's why I, I would still I, shout yeah. sheets. I understand what you're saying, but <laughs> you look at what Cal Eldred did, and it was quaint. Yeah, but I mean, that was also in that era. Guys weren't striking out that many batters. Like I mean, he had a high strikeout rate for that era. I, I remember just I looked. I've looked at that because it, because of the arm destroying stats from that season. <laughs> um, but I believe he was also quite excellent. So he was. Um, no, no, no. Yeah, it's it's definitely legit. Okay, and then uh, we'll do one last question. 
Uh, from Nick Zettel on Twitter. He hey, asked, Alex just went yard, by the way. Oh, did he? <laughs> oh, wow. He can't hit on the road, though. No, of course not. He's terrible on the road. It's was all... there a runner on? Or was no, there... it was a solo home run, ah. like all of his recent home runs. <laughs> Well, okay. that's just not clutch. From from, from Nick, uh, if you guys were uh, position players pitching, <laughs> who would have the fastest pitch? Oh, right. I have a story about this. And what breaker off-speed pitch would you, would you throw? So I have a terrible arm. Um, I, I top out in the high 50s. Uh, it's just a function of having kind of short arms. But uh, I have a story to tell about, about me breaking a pitching machine, so I want to tell it, um, which is I live right by what used to be Mike Hegan's Field of Dreams, formerly Mike Hegan's Grand Slam. Um, and there have been a few inter- interesting employees at that place over time, um, one of which is the, the, the about-to-be current um, Wisconsin Supreme Court Judge Brian Hagedorn, and the other is Frank Caliendo. Um, so I went to high school with Brian Hagedorn, who's a super conservative Wisconsin Supreme Court justice, um, and he's a nice guy. We obviously well, don't obviously. I disagree with him politically on a lot of things, but leave that aside for a second. He's got a gun. In high school, he threw in the high 80s um, and worked there. And so, like, we were at the pitching machine one day, and it was like not a radar gun pitching machine. It was like a like basically an arcade game. I don't know how it did what it did. It had a mat at the back. It had this kind of thing in the middle that I suspect read your pitch speed. Um, that just went into the the thing that read your pitch speed. It went into the cage just like an inch, um, and you had a lot of a lot of room to throw so he's firing off like 85 86 mile an hour fastballs he gun went up to 89 and i'm there hitting you know 54 55 i also by the way have bad aim um so <laughs> so, that's so, not, so that's not a good profile so he was like okay just throw in as hard as you can i was like are you sh- i don't want to throw in as hard as i can um it's like okay do it so throw in as hard as i can and that inch that sticks out that reads reads your speed i just drilled it and cracked it right in half um so um he was like okay we're gonna stop this right now so so i broke the pitching machine at mike Higgins grand slam but i didn't do it by throwing hard i did it by throwing badly so um so anyway everybody here has a better arm than i do um mine's my answer official answer is 58 that's what i top out at ryan well i probably that ish <laughs> i don't even remember i could do better than that but uh off, you actually off pitched. Speed, into yeah, like I actually, Beirut, I actually right? pitched. I actually pitched. So, I the only pitch I really breaking pitch I got a feel for was the splitter. That was the one that I got the the feel for. I could never quite get the feel for the curve, but but the splitter I could get it to to take that dive once it hit the plate. I would pick something that shreds your elbow just to like not be embarrassed. <laughs> so like throw a screwball or a splitter or something that's exactly. Gonna, you know, just I would just spend all my time learning a knuckleball just because. You know, everybody likes to try to throw the knuckleball. I'm like, this is so dumb. Well, you like, have to repeat it. Like- there are lots of balls that move like that you can learn to throw. Like, why would you deal with all the time and working? Because it looks cool. <laughs> Weren't you why. a change-up pitcher? Isn't that right? Like, you threw... No, I threw kind of a cutter as well. Oh, okay. But, again, I mean, you're talking about throwing a cutter. It was mostly like, can you locate up to, like, 14, 15 years old? Because most people yeah. can't hit for shit. Nope. So as long as you can throw strikes and not walk guys when you're young, oh. if there are any youths who are currently listening, <laughs> just freaking throw strikes. Wasn't that your entire profile? Because as a batter, weren't you just like, I can't really hit it all that well, but I can tell the difference Fuck between you, a ball I and a strike. Hit. Between the ball and a strike. Wasn't that the whole thing that like you take a bunch of walks? So you were like just walking a shit ton. Yeah, I wouldn't swing at garbage. No, I thought that was the whole point. I, I was that guy. I I was the guy who, by like eleven years old, I would lead off because I would just take walks. 
And when you're 11, like nobody can throw strikes. So whatever, you know, idiot goes up there and just doesn't swing at the stuff that's clearly out of the zone, you know. That'll work. Hey, look at that. On-base percentage. We had a bunch of branch rookies coaching our team. So <laughs> anyways, now that we've uh, lived lived through our youths, right? Yep. Yes. No? Yeah. Ryan was too busy. Uh, what were you officiating? Soccer games? Yeah, I was, I was roughing soccer games. Wishing you could be officiating the epl <laughs> sure was that the dream i don't think i even knew what it was at was that, that the dream i say like, i had no idea it existed oh, one day point. i could be on a rainy pitch in england and ronald Acuna has tied the game oh, of course he has well that's good for my fantasy team yeah, well yeah <laughs> but because that's what people tune in but for. bad for life so um anyways okay that's gonna do it for this week's show paul any last thoughts since you, you were so gracious to sit in this weekend <laughs> Uh, no, just, you know, still early. Nothing bad's that bad. Nothing good's that good. Everything will work itself out. I mean, this is a pretty good team. It's good. They're a good team. We know that, like, they've pretty much confirmed from last year what they are, I think. Like, they, they can hit. They are well-built for the park. Their bullpen started off a little rough, but it seems to be solidifying itself halfway decently. They, their plan is good. So their big problem is that the rest of the Central got a lot better. So it's going to yeah. be a tougher fight. And I mean, they're doing fine. They haven't hit the soft part of the schedule yet. No, and the nice part is they have played the Cardinals 10 times. They've played the Cubs six times. Yep. They haven't played the Reds three times, and they've played the Pirates not at all. So they still have quite a bit of those teams. That's in the see. division. They've finished yep. the Dodgers. They haven't played the Marlins. They haven't played the Giants. No, they put up a 5-1 and one on the Mets. Like, that's... <laughs> I guess if you want to take away, like a going-away thought, like... Strength of schedule matters more than everyone thinks it does. And it explains, like, that in injuries explain, like, 80% of why you're good and bad. And 20% is your makeup and talent composition and front office and whatnot. But, like, if if you lose awesome players, you're not going to be as good. And if you play uh, just a stretch run of awesome teams, you're, your pitching is going to look worse and your offense is going to look worse. So um, they'll be fine in the aggregates. Well, and there was a little bit of that where there there were a bunch of Cubs fans that were like, take that baseball prospectus when they took over first place yep. on like May 1st yeah, or whatever man. it was, once they had like finished sweeping the Marlins for the second time. Although I, I will say that that prospectus projection, uh, first of all, it, it wasn't as bad as it seemed just because the Central is so tight and everybody is pretty Yeah, it, it ranged from so, what, like 88 to 80 yeah. wins or something like and, that? And any projection system doesn't project outliers. Like there, nobody's going to be projected to win 110 games ever. That's just not how they work. They they work with averages so like i think it's pretty clear that the cubs are a very good team and will probably outplay that prospectus projection but also some other teams in the central will do that and some others will be worse and so it'll be close no matter what yeah and i mean the cardinals being a legitimate the cardinals are really good like they're, they are i think i i would probably say they're better than the cubs even though that cubs are currently ahead just because the cubs i think lack some depth in some key areas that might bite them eventually but. well i know there were also some cubs fans who were talking about how like oh well look at what darvish's underlying numbers mean and With, it's like you darvish has constantly again not performed as well as yes, underlying numbers yes this, this is that is correct they're right about that but but it has not mattered for like two and a half years now right yeah when a guy's consistently underperforming those numbers it yeah it means a sometimes lot there's a reason they're not con consistently performing as well as they should be and it's not just luck after two years right 
So it'll be interesting to see the rest of the season. I mean, this division, it feels like it's going to be decided by health largely, right? Yeah, like, I think so. Among the Brewers, Cubs, and, and Cardinals, like 162 games, it's all about attrition. <laughs> well, it, it really, I think it, it will be. And that's where this is headed so far. And all three teams have been relatively healthy so yep. far. I'm, so I'm counting on Joe Madden being like two wins worse than an average manager. So that's really going to be the difference. In this. Sean Doolittle would agree with you on that. He's bad. I, I, I hope that's the case. That would make my day or my year, actually. So, and we've talked about Madden before. Yep. So I think if you go back and and track through some podcasts, I know we've brought him up. I'm sure we some have of his deficiencies. So, um, anyways, that's going to do it for this week. Uh, shout out to Benjamin Hurdle. He's one of our new patrons on uh, Patreon. So uh, again, thanks for supporting the podcast. Um, again, anybody who joins the uh, what is it, ball and glove level, they get the minor league pod. Mm-hmm. And so, there is one out there for May already, so you can enjoy that. There is. So check that one out. Again, go to patreon.com slash MKE tailgate if you would like to do that. As always, follow us on Twitter at MKE tailgate. You can follow Paul at Badger Noonan, right? That's correct. It means you're a big Marquette guy, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's exactly <laughs> what it means. No, hey, uh, where are the Housers going? Uh, they're going to go to Wisconsin. <laughs> That does seem to be the way the winds That's are the, blowing. That is the consensus. So that appears to be the case. Um, By the way, I recently saw that it was like 120 days to training camp or whatever for the Packers. Are you going to start like ramping up your blogs for the Packers? Right I, now? I've already started doing that a little bit, like just because the draft happened fairly recently, and I'm always called on to cover it, even though I don't watch college football very much except for Wisconsin. But uh, I so I'm a big metrics guy, so I. I I can delve into those pretty easily, and then I can put some tape on top of that to see if anybody's actually really bad at football. Rashawn Gary, kind of bad at football, just so you know. Um, good, good at everything else. Um, but yeah, I'll, we'll be wrapping up, ramping up as uh, the season starts to approach, and the Packers are a totally different team, so it'll be an interesting one to watch. Thoughts on the Goot while uh, we head into the new season? Uh, so post draft, I have like I have totally mixed thoughts on every single Packer front office and coach, and <laughs> Goot's no exception. So I. They, they, they definitely have an approach. They're super scientific. They drafted the third most athletic class um, by RAS relative athletic score this year. They have done that for about four years in a row. I think they lack scouting a little bit and rely a little too much on analytics, which you'd think I'd like, but you have to do a little bit of that. The Patriots don't always rank first. It's easy to do that. Um, so Goot's fine. He has a good, solid strategy, um, but... I would like to see them a little more nuanced in their player acquisition. However, like all the free agent signings, so that's good. So again, if you want to see more of or read more of Paul's uh, Packer thoughts, go to Acme Packing Company. Yep. And stuff uh, in the Shep. Shepherd Express. Once football season rolls around. So obviously look for that. Follow Badger Noonan on Twitter and you'll see all the links for his articles. Uh, remember, you can submit questions to Milwaukee's Tailgate at milwaukees.tailgate at gmail.com or through our Facebook page for Milwaukee's Tailgate Baseball Podcast. And you can always tweet at us too, at MKE Tailgate. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, Pocket Casts, wherever else you listen to podcasts. You can leave reviews and help people find the podcast. Thanks for listening and look for us again next week on Milwaukee's Tailgate.